0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the September 27th, 2019 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic DiZutti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get started with a quick take on the climate protests that blocked traffic in Denver on Monday, resulting resulting in Denver police arresting eight. Patty Calhoun from Westward, uh, I imagine this is just the first of many protests to come, especially around uh, climate change. Uh, Were the arrests surprising to you?
1: No, I mean, we're wrapping up the week of climate change protests. They started a week ago today, and that was mostly the youth, the teenagers, and that went swimmingly. It was very, very smooth, even though they blocked some traffic. But remember, certain things in Denver are sacred, and one is traffic and the right to move your cars. And this is not the first protest where people have been arrested for blocking traffic. And it won't be the last protest for it, but it will also be one where I think the protesters will win in court.
0: David Kopel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. Uh, what did you think of the police response? Did it make sense uh, for what was happening?
2: Yes, uh, there are many people who believe in many different causes and are, are very passionate about it. But belonging to a doomsday prophecy cult does not give you some kind of special privilege uh, to obstruct traffic and other people. Political protests should be in parks and not in traffic. And so good for the Denver police for uh, promptly stopping it
0: less than two minutes in. We already have Doomsday Prophecy Cult. <laughs> it's good to have you back, David. It was a long two weeks without you. Uh, Marie A. Berger, uh, founder of Be Clear, also a, a former member of Ob- uh, President Obama's uh, press uh, uh, staff, what do you think of the response, specifically from we see from reports, there seem to be, at least allegedly, some communication from some of the protesters to police saying, we want to block one cycle worth of traffic and then be on our way, where sometimes, and I guess it's always subjective, sometimes that has been, okay, do that and be on your way. Uh, so were you surprised that this is going to set a precedent for other protests?
3: Yeah, I mean, like you said, we're going to see a lot more of these protests, and this wasn't spontaneous. It was announced well in advance. There was communication about it. And I would love to be able to see the police and protesters be able to come up with a plan beforehand to say, look, this is happening. This is announced. This isn't spontaneous. Let's be able to get out there, raise the urgency of a really important issue, but not have it end this way.
0: Uh, New face to the table, Carlos Valverde, State Director of Colorado Working Families Party. It's great to have you here on the panel. Uh, Wrap it up for us. What did you think of the response, and are we going to see a lot more of these protests moving forward? Absolutely. And, and just so, I'm,
4: I'm a man of color in the United States, so I'm, I'm very familiar and I can talk all day about police aggressiveness. But what I'd rather focus on with this particular story is the thousands of young people from Colorado, from across the country, from across the globe that came out and made a definitive statement that they are tired of political procrastination on this issue. And I'm inspired by the way they are communicating so clearly and loudly and their moral conviction on moving the needle on this issue in a way that that us adults haven't been able and that science hasn't
0: even been able to do. Good point. A whistleblower complaint released this week regarding a telephone call between President Trump and Ukraine's President Zelensky is getting international attention. Every member of Colorado's Democratic delegation supports an impeachment inquiry while, uh, meanwhile, Colorado's Republican delegation calls the impeachment inquiry premature and a partisan attack. Uh, Patty, uh, Patty, the, uh, the, re, uh, the reactions from both the Colorado Democratic delegation and the Republican delegation weren't surprising. But I'm very interested to see the impact on Colorado politics of this. This is not something that's going to go away quickly. And we have a big U.S. Senate race coming up. And a, a U.S. Representative in Ken Buck who is running the Colorado Republican Party. It's clearly going to have some impact here. When you saw this all go down here, what do you think it's going to do in Colorado?
1: It's going to make a great Saturday Night Live skit. When you have the basic incident involving a former reality TV show star who's now president of the United States and a former comic who's now the president of the Ukraine, you are definitely in bizarre World, if not in a doomsday cult. There is really something going on here as no one... Uh, no one more liberal than Chris Wallace said this morning on Fox, when he said, people are saying it's nothing. Critics on the right are saying it's nothing. There's definitely something going on here. People are casting aspersions on the whistleblower, saying he doesn't really exist, that this is part of a conspiracy, to the extent that the New York Times put in some identifying characteristics that he actually worked in the cia that he was based in the white house that he'd also been in europe now people are slapping the new york times for putting in too much information about this whistleblower but to show the credibility he has on this accusation of this phone call where trump asked for help on investigating hunter biden it looks very very credible let me say right now whistleblowers all journalists and free people anywhere owe them a debt of gratitude. And we have not heard the last of this, but it is going to work out a lot faster than the 2020 elections.
0: Mm. Uh, David, the, uh, an impeachment inquiry is different than an impeachment hearing. So uh, are we going to be learning a lot more about the detail, and the minutiae of the difference between inquiries and hearings, and all that kind of stuff that we've had before?
2: Well, maybe, you know, in, in this bizarre infotainment alternate universe we've apparently all slipped into, this impeachment prequel. Show has been going on for so long, and like oh, but the impeachment show is eventually coming. Well, not yet, and you know doesn't seem to, you know, there's a, there's all these leaks and lies and denials and everything from bad faith on all sides. I don't trust either side. It wouldn't shock me if both uh, Trump and Biden deserve to be impeached. But rather than making a decision on that at this point, because all we have so far is just lots of talk, no action. I'm going to wait until some House committee actually draws up articles of impeachment and lists the specific evidence that goes for each article. And then at that point, then it'll be time to make a decision uh, whether impeachment's a good
0: idea or not. Marie, politically again there's a lot of details to come out and this is going to be something we'll probably talked about for a long long time but just right now does this I guess I have imagined this gives a big uh, edge for Joe Biden is thinking if it's if he's already worthy of an international conspiracy then he's probably the the most feared uh, opponent uh, does this help him in the primary, uh, which is always still a very crowded room
3: look i don 't think so I think this is a scary scary attack for him and it's an attack on everyone running for president, not just Joe Biden. And I think all the Democratic contenders need to step up and say that, that they all stand with him, that this is a gross, abuse of power. I gotta disagree that all we have here is talk. We have real proof of a crime. If you could remove the power of the party of the president and say a president was on the phone trying to dig up dirt on a political opponent, I'm not gonna tell you what party he's from, everyone would say, that's not OK. The president's out of control. And I hope we see, you know, the rest of our members of Congress step up and say, look, this isn't OK. Um, and I got to give a huge shout out to Jason Crow, who was part of uh, a really important op ed this week. Um, he joined with six other uh, freshman members of Congress, uh, who are all from battleground states, all from national security backgrounds, and they said, look, we're not going to focus on how the political chips fall. We're going to do the right thing for the Constitution, and I think he was part of an important movement to turn the tide there.
0: Carlos, let's bring it back to Colorado politics. You have Ken Buck, who's running the Colorado Republican Party. Uh, as a Republican legislator, he's calling this uh, you know, a, a, a partisan uh, an issue. Uh, you also have, in Colorado, I think in our primary, Democratic primary, uh, Bernie Sanders doing still very popular. He won back in 2016, likely has the edge at the various right now. But then a lot of conversation and probably support for what's happening to or what could have happened to Joe Biden. It can get a little crazier in Colorado. What what, what do you think is going to happen from the result of all this? Sure. Well, first, let's, you know, these talks of impeachment on Trump have been going on for
4: quite a while from his use of racist language, his personal finances, tax evasion, collusion with the Russians, obstruction of justice. Uh, It's been going on for a while. So I'm glad that the Colorado Democrats, all of them, are finally on board with this inquiry on, the, on this latest uh, misuse of power. And, and it's not alleged misuse of power. Trump has himself has admitted to, uh, to asking a foreign leader to interfere in our elections by digging up dirt on a political rival. And then his administration uh, tries to cover it up by, by lockboxing the, the transcripts. Really, enough is enough on this. Um, and, and if Cory Gardner and the the Republicans here in Colorado are too afraid of Donald Trump to condemn
0: this type of election interference, then they need to be elected out of office. Congress passed a bill this week that allows banks to serve marijuana businesses in states where marijuana has been legalized. Colorado Congressman Ed Perlmutter is the bill's House sponsor. Congressman Scott Tipton, a Republican, joined Colorado's Democrats in voting in favor of the bill. Uh, David, this has to go through a Senate, but are we at the tipping point for at least legalize banking for the marijuana industry I mean, in America? I
2: mean, very, very possibly, yes. Uh, Representative Perlmutter's bill is the Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act and it passed 321 to 103. So that, that's a very strong bipartisan uh, majority. And Representative Perlmutter is an excellent and effective legislator in, in Congress today, uh, just like he was back in the Colorado General Assembly in the in the 1990s. And over on the Senate side, uh, Cory Gardner is the first original co-sponsor of the bill. He testified in favor of it before the Senate Banking Committee uh, in July, and he's one of five Republican co-sponsors. So uh, there may well be majority support in the Senate uh, for this as well.
0: Marie, what do you think this is going to mean for Colorado? I mean, I I realize it's not a fait accompli here, but it it, it has more momentum than it's ever had before. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean... I think this just feels long overdue for Colorado. (laughs) This feels like something that should have happened, what, six years ago now? Um, So mostly I think people will just be relieved that we are finally taking steps to treat a business like a business. Um, And they'll want to get it done. And so kudos to Ed Perlmutter for keeping the momentum going. And I hope uh, Senator Gardner, he takes up his bill. It's a bipartisan issue. Let's get it done. I think Coloradans will be happy to see this delay stop.
0: Carlos, does this feel like a game changer for Colorado?
4: I, I do, and I, I sort of agree. Like, It's not really a matter of if this will pass, it's when it will pass. If this Senate doesn't pass it, uh, you know, 2020 Senate will, will probably pass it. And voters, as they more and more vote to legalize marijuana, it just makes a lot of sense to not have such a large cash-only industry. Um, this exposes these businesses to violent crimes, creates logistical challenges for tax collection. Can you imagine showing up with duffel bags of cash to pay your taxes? It just sort of makes sense. Um, and you can imagine, uh, like, the, this industry is a $10 billion industry. The big banks want to tap in to this industry. So I think the Senate will likely listen to the, to the big wealthy banks and the special interests and pass this legislation. Um, and then we can talk about how working class folks and people of color for years have been going to jail over marijuana. And now the big bankers are making money off
0: of it. Well, speaking of double bags of cash, Patty, uh, what do you think is uh, going to come of this? Is this finally the moment where folks can be writing or p- putting an ad in Westward on a credit card, even if it's about a, a marijuana um, dispensary?
1: Yes. Yeah, speaking of big bags of cash, uh, I think, <laughs> yes, it will finally pass. And this will actually help Cory Gardner somewhat in this state when he's campaigning, you know, more than two-thirds of the states now have some kind of legal marijuana, whether it's medical, whether it's flat-out recreational, it's ridiculous that there isn't, they aren't allowed to bank. That people who deal with uh, marijuana industries but never touch cannabis Aren't allowed to bank, so of course it has to. Go, it will go through, and I think it will go through this year, especially now with hemp, which is a big cash crop in Kentucky. And there's still, you know, some borderline issues there. I think a lot of this will get smoothed over, and I predict the Senate will pass it this year.
0: A reason for McConnell to launch exactly. The Nicely done, Patty. This week, the RTD board indeed reconsidered its no vote, and this time unanimously voted in favor of providing its unused lot as a park for a potential National Medal of Honor museum uh marie this was quite the turnaround from i don't even know how many national uh medal of honor award winners and and we were correct before there aren't any winners but we were quoting an rtd board director uh they are recipients but um this was quite the big turnaround to go from uh, a no vote to unanimously in favor of it what do you think made the difference
3: I mean, RTD clearly stepped in it, <laughs> um, and the public made that pretty clear. So the bright side of this is showing the public your voice does matter. When you reach out to people who represent you, you can make a change, and look how quickly they turn that around, so good for RTD. And, you know, I think we all called them out on their mistake, and they stepped forward, they recognized it, and they fixed it, and I want to give credit for when people acknowledge a mistake and fix it. I'd like to see more of that, so good on them for changing their minds.
0: Carlos, was this a public outcry? Was this Governor Polis and Mayor Hancock showing up and Mm -hmm. suggesting? Was it everything? What do you think? Um, So I really like this idea of having this museum
4: in our city and taking a gravel lot on Lincoln and Colfax and and turning it into a park. I think parks and museums are just uh, things that enrich our city. But what I'm most encouraged is about two things. One, that the RTD board, who are elected officials, did not rubber stamp something from the administration that they didn't fully understand. And so they're taking their elected position very seriously. But the second point I do want to make about this is that, yes, the public spoke out. They made their voice heard and they flipped seven votes to, to get a favorable approval of this proposal. And it's hard to get people. I'm a community organizer. It's hard to get people engaged in RTD issues and to get them to contact their, their RTD director. So I'm glad this issue got such attention and it got people calling in and getting engaged. I hope they get engaged in a lot more of the important transit issues uh,
0: that RTD is dealing with. Here, here. I, I gotta believe people uh, north of the city are gonna be wanting to tap into some of that energy. If uh, they can change their mind in a museum, maybe how about a train to the north? But that's a whole different episode. <laughs> uh, Patty, uh, wh- what was the heaviest hand here? Uh, the governor the mayor uh, calling up or the public? and and, and ready to suddenly go to an RTD Board of Directors meeting, which I don't think anyone would do unless they lost the bet.
1: I would like to think it's the public, but I'm pretty sure it's the politicians. When Polis stepped in, you know, Denver Denver and Colorado have been working to get this museum. I don't think we will now, just because if you're in Arlington, Texas, you've got a lot of ammo to use against the other contender. But I would take it back to if the RTD can move this fast on this issue where they were just clearly... They followed, it looked like they followed the lead of one completely out of her mind um, board member rather than just waiting to hear better arguments. If they can do that that fast, why can't they get the lines that are so delayed going a little faster? (laughs)
0: <laughs> if you can answer that question, Patty, I think there's uh, definitely a profitable future for you. Uh, David, what do you think uh, of this, this whole thing? Did, did RTD appropriately clean up a mess they made themselves?
2: Yes, and, and as, as controversy showed, there are some people who don't know very much about Medal of Honor winners, and so that's why a museum is a great idea to educate the public about history and, and honor. And I'd agree, good, good for the uh, board RTD mem- members who recognize they may have made a
0: mistake and were willing to admit it. An anti-abortion measure has been approved by the Secretary of State for signature gathering to get on the 2020 ballot. The measure would ban physicians from performing abortions for women who have reached their 22nd week of pregnancy. Uh, Carlos, um, Colorado has traditionally been a, a pretty pro-choice state. It's a fairly small-L libertarian. Uh, is this just a get-up-the-vote effort, or is this something that might have some momentum in Colorado? Yeah, we see these uh,
4: anti-choice ballot measures every couple years, and every couple years, Colorado voters reject them, and often with double-digit margins. But what's interesting about this particular effort is that the two proponents don't seem to be connected to the major anti-abortion groups in Colorado. In fact, one of the largest Colorado right to life has already come out against this measure, saying the 22-week ban just isn't strong enough. So without support from the major anti-abortion groups, I really wonder if this, if this committee will have enough resources to gather the 125,000 valid signatures that they're going to need. And, and either way, really, these late-term abortion bans um, are really set up to, to introduce full ban attempts later down the road, and Colorado voters just don't seem to support either.
0: Patty, uh, getting the permission to go get signatures and actually qualifying for the ballot are two completely different things. But this is an issue that usually has a lot of... Uh, Support to get there, but then not actually to uh, win the election. What do you think is going to happen with this one?
1: Well, let's remember that Colorado was really the first state to legalize abortion back in 1967 when Dick Lamb was in the legislature, and almost every single attempt that has been made to reduce women's rights has on that on that topic has been pushed back. This is not going to go anywhere. It might get. It might get enough signatures, but even if it does, it's not going to pass. We're also going to see counter proposals coming up to lift some of the restrictions that were put on for government payment of necessary abortions. So we might see that coming up too. So it'll be a big debate in 2020, but there's no way this is passing.
0: David, some folks, uh, and I think actually your employer, may be thinking that the fact that the National Popular Vote Compact That ballot issue is going to be on the 2020 ballot. It's going to be a good get out the vote effort for uh, conservatives in Colorado. Would this do the same thing for progressives?
2: Hard to say. It'll probably bring bring out people who... May not care much about other issues, but are, on the abortion issue, we're very passionately for or against it, so it might, might stimulate both sides. I think it's, it's important to note this is a, is very different from the ballot and issues we've seen in previous years, which would have outlawed abortion at like six or eight weeks. Um, this The personhood is, ones, right? The, yeah, the, the, this one is, is 22 weeks, which is... A a much rarer type of uh, abortion and I think unlike the the previous ones this one is is compliant with existing Supreme Court doctrine uh, on what kind of uh, regulations are permissible.
0: Marie what chances does this have going past just the signature gathering phase but then seen as a campaign in 2020?
3: I gotta agree with the rest of the table I don't think it stands a chance with with Colorado voters I think we've really led on this issue and I don't see that changing. Um, I also think it's important to talk about why women get abortions at that week, um, and usually it's financial constraints, geographic constraints. I think almost 87% of counties in Colorado don't have an abortion provider. Um, it might be something new you've learned about the health of the baby. So there's a lot of good reasons why we should trust women to make decisions for their own health. Uh, I don't see a lot of good reasons for putting this on, on a ballot.
0: Well, We have a rare opportunity here to actually have time for a, a, a quick fifth topic, and we were talking about it before the actual uh, show started, so this has given us some opportunity. Uh, we have that rare moment in time uh, if you, you don 't think you 're living in special times folks candy C. debaca councilwoman Denver city councilwoman Candy C debaca, uh, known for uh, various uh, controversial views, agrees wholeheartedly with David Kopel on very on one issue that the that the city of denver the city and county of Denver should elect the next sheriff of Denver. Uh, David, I'm going to start with you and go around the table. Uh, I was shocked to be able to say the sentence that you and Kenny (laughs) C. DeBach agree on something, but is this the elect Denver sheriff's moment?
2: Hopefully. uh, You know, it seems like a good idea. And, and, you know, Patrick Furman, who was our our last sheriff and and seemed like a very good guy and had been very successful, uh, you know, managing jails in the uh, Chicago suburbs, you know, apparently he didn't work out, so maybe at, at some point give, give the people a chance to decide, and they, as they do in almost every other Colorado county. Denver's very unique in, in not being able to vote for sheriff. So some people say Candy C. DeBaca is Colorado's version of uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but I disagree because uh, Councilwoman C. DeBaca is good at getting things done. She's not just a, a TV character. Uh, she, she's a real leader and, and uh, change maker.
0: Marie, do you think this is going to get done? I mean, the, uh, Councilman C. Baca has moved a lot of different things, especially uh, what was going to be a rubber stamp approval of the contracts for uh, uh, Core Civic and Geo Group. Uh, are we going to be electing Denver's next sheriff?
3: I mean, I think we might be able to. We got to a fifth topic. We have a moment of unity. It seems like <laughs> anything's possible right now. Um, but we've talked a lot. There's been, like, a lot of protests and opinions about what's happening in our jails. Maybe this is a good way for the public to have a voice on who's running them.
0: Carlos,
4: should we be electing the next sheriff in Denver? You know, I, I like the idea. I think it's interesting. I think we should have the discussion about it. As someone who works almost exclusively in electoral politics, it makes me worried about another race that we're going to have to raise money for and try to win. Um, but I'm,
0: I, Candy is one of my good friends, and I will listen to her opinion on this. Patty, here we are talking about David Cope and Candace DeBaca, a fifth topic. What can't happen in this age of opportunity? <laughs>
1: Well, I can't wait to see the ads they make together. That's going to be something that will be really great.
0: <laughs> I'm right there with you, Patty. I'd love to see that. It is time for our very favorite part of the show, Disgrace the Week. As always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off.
1: Something happened on a bus ride home from the Green um, School in, in Green Valley Ranch, DPS, on September 18th that wound up with a mother getting arrested Many parents are upset because of how their kids were treated on this bus. They were getting calls about how their kids were being treated. They weren't allowed to get their kids from the back um, when the bus stopped. It is ugly. There's an investigation going on now internally with DPS, but at the very least, somebody, and it wasn't a parent, who was going to protect their kid, was behaving unprofessionally.
0: David?
2: The Colorado Rockies and the Denver Broncos, um, and normally, if they're not successful, that you'd say think that's their own business. But since they are taxpayer uh, subsidized, it's everyone's business, including people. Even if you don't like football or baseball, your tax money has still been paying for this. And are you really getting your money's worth on uh, these days?
0: The taxpayer stadium is yep. losing value with a losing record, Marie
3: i got to go with the adults who've been coming out against Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old Swedish climate activist. She has been doing an incredible job. You know, she's talked all about growing up with depression, with Asperger's, with not a lot of friends. And here she is standing in front of the UN, captivating the global stage, changing the world. It's incredible. And she's been being attacked and bullied by some adults. So I just want to join with the other adults who are saying, go Greta, keep going, girl.
0: Yeah, nothing shows your strength as a a cyberbullying, a a young teenager from Sweden. Uh, Carlos? The Recall Governor Polis Committee. They collected donations.
4: uh, They gave up on the effort. They didn't do any work to actually recall the governor and then distributed $11,000 in in donations to three committee members as uh,
0: board gifts. (laughs) And you wondered why people thought it was just a uh, a data uh, accumulation process. Uh, strategy. Who knows? Uh, Time to say something nice about somebody. Patty.
1: Biennial of the Americas, which is back, has been putting on a lot of great programming, including a really special event in Civic Center Park tomorrow. Free, get out there.
2: David. A former teenage activist, uh, Freddie Overstegen, who passed away this week, as a teenage leader in the Dutch resistance in World War II, uh, she seduced and killed Nazis. May her memory be a blessing.
0: Here, here, Marie.
3: Shout out to Denver Startup Week, which I attended events for all last week. I uh, saw so some great panels with women entrepreneurs, with Lindsey Vaughn. met a ton of great people, awesome block parties. So great job by the organizers. Awesome to see the entrepreneurial scene keep growing in Denver.
4: Carlos. A big shout out and a big congratulations to the Kaiser workers who have shown us once again that collective action works, even when you're going up against one of the largest healthcare providers in the country.
0: And before we go tonight, I've got a, a, a very happy announcement. I am so proud of the show. Both sides of the story is back for its 2019 fall tournament. And it's going to be a humdinger, folks. We taped the very first four episodes this week. And next Friday at 730, Both Sides of the Story, a high school debate series, returns. Next Friday, Rebecca Chapman from East High School and Rhea Correa from Mountain Vista High School debate if social media companies should be allowed to censor users on its platform. Uh, folks, you will not want to miss it. If at any point you're, you're worried about the future and the future generations, can they handle what's coming at them, whether it be climate change or political division or anything else in the world, are they gonna be able to handle this? Watch both sides of the story, you will feel better about the future and that these folks can handle these these students from uh, eight different high schools from all around Colorado. We have uh, Manitou Springs, Cherry Creek, Eagle Crest, uh, Mountain Vista, uh, let's see, uh, Holy uh, George, yeah, it was
2: Holy Family, Holy
0: Family, uh, out in Broomfield. We've got all the different corners covered, and they do a great job. And I'll give a sneak preview. Some of these, while we call them preliminary rounds, I think could have very well been a semifinal round. And those semifinal rounds and how they're going to move on in the tournament will be in November. So Fridays at 7.30, both sides of the story, you will not want to miss it. For everybody here at Colorado Inside Out and CPT12, thank you so much for watching. I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Have a good night.